What's up, Rail Split Nash? Good to be back after one week. Uh, on this upcoming episode, we're going to be talking about the Confederate monuments and what's happening to them across America. Good to be back. This is Rail Splitter and Nick Stongy. Um, actually, Nick Stangy, aka Icky Tangy, aka the Ayatollah of Rock and Rolla. And I am here with the Canadian Rail Splitter herself, Mary. What up? Hey, Rail Split Nash. What's happening? Happy belated Can- Canadian Canada Day. Thank you, sir. Is it Canada or Canadian Day? Canada Day. The Canada Day, okay. Canada Day A. <laughs> Canada Day A, I like it. Um, and with us in spirit today is uh, Rail Splitter Jeremy. Um, uh, he wasn't able to make it on the show today. So hopefully, I think he's hanging out with his family or something. So that is good to hear. They had plans, so he's not able to make it. But um, we're anticipating him back next week. So we took a week off. Uh, things have been kind of crazy here. Uh, uh, Rail Splitter Jeremy kind of took a uh, kind of a last second trip, um, and we were just kind of scrambling. We decided to take the week off, so we apologize not being with you. But Mary, you just celebrated Canada Day. We're recording this Thursday, July second. Yes. Um, so, what did you do on Canada Day? What's the great Canadian tradition that you did? I tweeted all day about the Battle of Gettysburg. Dude, you, you should be kicked out of Canada. I know I should. I, do, I don't like hockey and I don't like poutine. Yeah, Your punishment should be to come to America because let's be honest, right now that would be a punishment. <laughs> um, so, Yes, I did my usual uh, Gettysburg tweets and I, uh, I've done a few this evening as well. I had to work. It was back to work today, so so I didn't obviously do much during the day, but... Yeah, it's my tradition to tweet the hell out of the battle, and yep. So this is probably you probably listened to this after the first, second, and third. So yeah. go back, check out Mary's uh, Twitter thread. Um, she's almost got a blue check mark on Twitter. For those who don't know, what's your Twitter handle? Um, I am Civil War fangirl, um, Miss Bellatrix. So go check that out. Help her get to that blue check mark. Um, she is a celebrity. When she goes to Civil War battlefields, people call her out and go, "Are you Miss Civil War fangirl?" And they get her autograph. Not true. You did get recognized though as Civil War fangirl at a battlefield. I though. did. Yep. Yep. I um, a guy that um, follows me as a park ranger at Chickamauga, and I was in the bookstore, and I was talking to my friend Jessica. And then all of a sudden I hear this, it's Civil War fangirl. See? So the celebrity is true. And I uh, wanted I wanted to like crawl under the bookshelves and just I was like, no. <laughs> Dude, you are a celebr- Civil War historian. Uh, no. Twitter historian. No. <laughs> Anything else to report on? 
Not much. Um, we are, I guess, from the COVID front, we are in our second phase of reopening in Ontario, which is nice. So patios are back open again, so I can go have uh, drinks and dinner on a patio. Um, weather's been beautiful, and um, I'm going back to work soon to my office, so I'm happy about Listen. that. Listening to that, America, that's a country that runs their reopening the correct way and can go back to reality. Um, but, yeah. Today's topic, though, we'll just turn into that, unless you got any other Lincoln or Civil War-related stuff that popped up. I do not. All right. So, go remember, go check out Mary on Twitter and read the Gettysburg thread. And so. also, please like The Real Splitter on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Um, and follow us on Twitter as well. I did see a Facebook article that this probably shouldn't be talked about because I didn't read it. About something about the recreating the Lincoln home. Did you see this? I haven't been on, on Facebook. Facebook today. So go check that article. It was posted. I don't know what it all entails. Uh, two people posted it. So join the Facebook yep. thing. Um, my dream is, I don't know if this is what they're doing with it, but if they are recreating the Lincoln home, I hope it's like an Airbnb and you can go stay in the Lincoln home. How cool would that be? I would love that. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. That would be the ultimate um, Lincoln Geek trip right there. Yep. Uh, but I haven't read the article, so I don't know what it is. But uh, um, I probably shouldn't have brought it up. We'll discuss it next week. Today, though, we are going to take a look and talk about something that has been in the news a lot. Um dealing with the Civil War monuments and statues, mainly the Civil War, mainly the Confederate monuments and statues that exist throughout America. Um, And then we'll dive in a little bit about a specific Lincoln uh, monument that exists and kind of we'll share kind of our thoughts about whether it should stay or whether it should go. Kind of the meaning behind all of that. Um, I do kind of want to preface all this by saying we understand that this is not the most important issue. Um, in America, obviously, if anything, I believe the president's using it as a distraction from the two major issues, that being obviously the COVID-19 pandemic, which has um, reemerged as quite a crisis here in America, and as well as, the, you know, the issues revolving around racism and police brutality in America, um, although this does tie into that a little bit, so... Uh, but those definitely are more important issues. But this being a Civil War podcast, we thought we keep it relevant and we wouldn't be doing uh, our due diligence if we didn't talk about this. So anything else you want to add to that? Nope. I think you summed it up pretty well. I think it's definitely a topic we need to to talk about. And I know we've wanted to for a while on the show, so I'm glad we're getting to it tonight. Yeah, and it's something we've talked about on previous shows a little bit. Um, so we've this shouldn't be new to the listeners if you've been with us throughout the... I think it's almost three years, too, by the way. So. It, my birthday this year will be three years since I came on the show. Yeah, so those of you who've been with us from day one, we appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, just kind of start things off, though. Let's kind of talk about where the monuments stand as far as some data um, goes on the numbers. And I pulled the majority of this, I pulled, I think, just about all of it from the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, They had a study where they went and collected some data on stuff. Um, So you can go look at this. They got some great charts that really show, you know, kind of put them in perspective for you. All right. To start, currently, obviously, this is very fluid. So things have changed quite a bit, you know, within the last 
month or so. But uh, when this study was done, which I believe was around uh, the Charleston massacre that took place um, in America, mass shooting, you had about 1,747 Confederate monuments throughout the nation. Um, most were in the South, but they were across the nation. You could find them out as far, you know, out West, the Southwest, even some of the Northwest as well. You had about 780 monuments, uh, more than 300 of which are in Georgia, Virginia, or North Carolina. Um, so those three states, you know, have a ton there. You have 103 public K through 12 schools that were named after Confederate leaders. Um, you have three colleges that were named after Confederate leaders. You have 80 counties and cities named after Confederate leaders. Nine observed state holidays in five states. Ten U.S. military bases, which we talked about recently on this. That floors me. <laughs> all of it. Yeah, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. It, like, it just, it all floors me that, like, all these military bases are, especially brag. I don't know. It just. Yeah. No, yeah. I hear you. And I did misspeak. There's 107, 1,747 co- uh, Confederate monuments, places named after Confederates, and other uh, symbols throughout the United States. So that's all those things added up. There's 780 monuments themselves, more than 300 in Georgia, Virginia, North Carolina. So I just want to make that clear. You know, you would probably assume, I think a lot of people assume, that the majority of these were built, you know, relatively shortly after um the civil war or within the veterans time frames and if you look at it in the southern poverty law center is a great chart that is not the case the peak years for these monuments being dedicated are the 1900s to the 1920s um and then a second peak you actually see is the 1950s and the 1960s so you know the 1920s that's kind of the emergence the reemergence of the kkk is taking place during that time um the second peak you know, that's the civil rights movement that's taking place. So th- that's just something to think about right off the bat on what the purpose and the design behind some of these monuments were for, which we'll talk much more um, towards the second half of the podcast. Uh, there's a great follow on Twitter, Kevin uh, Levine or Levin. I don't think it's Levin, though, but his name spelled Kevin and Levin like it rhymes. Mm. Uh, he's a historian who spends a lot of time focusing in specifically on kind of the black Confederate soldier myth. Um, And he does a great job putting a lot of this monument talk in a great context. He had a tweet where basically he tweeted out some statistics from June. Just in June, this past month, we've seen in America 36 Confederate monuments had been removed. NASCAR had actually banned the Confederate flag. The Navy and Marine Corps had banned Confederate symbols from their bases. And the Mississippi just the other day voted to change its state flag. Um, so these are all huge, significant changes in American history that's happened at a very, very rapid pace. In addition to that, Stonewall Monument just came down in Richmond the other day. And I believe they're still planning on removing like 10 other statues from town. So a lot of stuff's happening here. Mary, you got any thoughts about all the movement of the monuments happening i i think it's great that it's that it's happening um it's and it's just like you know i think the thing for me is like people like some people are shocked that this is happening but no it's been happening for 
years, this controversy. It's been happening since the Civil War ended. I actually watched this really good um, YouTube video about um, Confederate monuments um, at Gettysburg. And they explained the history behind them. And there was so much controversy over some of them. And not just because of lost cause stuff, but within the states that had been in the Confederacy as well. So, um, like, this is not a new issue at all. And it just, you know, it keeps rearing its ugly head and all that. But, um, yeah, I was happy about the uh, the NASCAR one. That was great. Um, and, too, just the whole thing about the military bases as well. I was shocked about the NASCAR one. I mean, you literally can make the argument that NASCAR has taken a stronger stance than the NFL has in the last four years revolving around Colin Kaepernick. Absolutely. Which is absolutely mind-boggling, and I did not have my on my apocalyptic uh, bingo card uh, for 2020. So, um, so kudos to them. I think they seem to be legit and serious about this. Um, I don't know if you follow the noose uh, controversy that came out mm-hmm. on the on the garage door. Yep. Even though the FBI said it was not purposely targeted at them, um, they have not shied away. They've shared pictures. They've done saying that this is the only garage and all these different sites that actually had like a noose. It is a noose. If you've seen the picture, I yep. think it's definitely a noose. Um, so I, I applaud NASCAR. That's something I didn't know I would ever say when it came to um, kind of as far as uh, dealing with um, the Black Lives Matter movement yep. and everything. No, and it, it's the thing is, is all this has actually affected us here in Canada, too. Like, we are starting to deal with the racism again more. And Justin addressed it in his, um, like, his daily briefings to us, which he's actually, that was a few weeks ago, so he's not doing that as much now. But, no, he addressed it and said, like, you know, systemic racism is, exists in this country. Um, there were some incidents in Parliament um, with racism, there was some videos that surfaced of some things that happened to um, some indigenous peoples as well, which was it was hard for me to watch as a Canadian because I thought we were like, just that that didn't exist. And uh, not I shouldn't say didn't exist in our country, but it's just it's really hard for me to see that that it's still around. Yeah, I think the this uh, movement definitely the George Floyd incident has definitely sparked uh, mm-hmm. worldwide movements as well, reflecting yeah. on what everybody's country and how they treated um, different people, different populations. Yeah. Um. So, which is a good thing, mm-hmm. I think overall. No, it, it's something that needs to be addressed because it's one of those things that it keeps rearing its ugly head. It's not a new issue, um, and it's going to keep rearing its ugly head until it is finally properly addressed. Yep. And then, you know, like the monuments, I think a lot of times we, we go to battlefields, you know, when I was younger, it's like, oh, this is cool, the monument. And you don't really think about how that monument got there. No. It's, re- it's a lot of politics mm-hmm. behind it. Yeah. Of why it's there, when it got there, where it's at, the size of it. Um, and a lot of these are, you know, fundraise. Mm-hmm. The majority of these monuments are done through fundraising. There's a political element to that. I was just listening to a uh, the tattoo historian. Um, he's been doing the Facebook live chats with Peter Carmichael, mm-hmm. and they had somebody from Gettysburg, and the focus was on Joshua Chamberlain. And you go to Little Round Top. There's like a kind of like a brick wall defense built, and Joshua Chamberlain that wasn't built till after day two. 
yeah. after the charge takes place. And Joshua Chamberlain fought to the day he died to get that removed because he wanted it preserved like it was on the second day mm-hmm. to the point where they've actually put a plaque. And the guy who worked at Gettysburg, I wish I remember his name. I apologize. Um, but he says he thinks it's like the only thing in Gettysburg where it actually has like a disclaimer that this was built on the third day. Wow. Um, so, and you know, and Joshua Chamberlain probably made that happen. Yeah. And kudos to Gettysburg because the guy who continued to tell him no stood his ground on it. But, yep. you know, a lot of times people give into that. So there's a lot of politics at play behind this stuff. Oh, there's there's so many and and yeah, like and too the other thing as well is like having like I had people over for um, um for dinner the weekend. It was some of my family and you know we were talking about the monuments and somebody brought up like it's erasing history and I was like no it's not. I said no it's so I tried to explain to them that it's not erasing history. It's like Dude. They, there's I said there's historical memory and then there's history and there's a huge difference. I've taught what it will be my 16th year teaching U.S. history and I could tell you that the only times ever I've talked about the monuments is them actually being taken down. So the act of them actually removing them is the only time I've ever talked about them. Yeah. I used a monument really as a teaching point in class. Because the majority of the time, they're not. There's so many better tools to use. Yeah. When teaching history, from primary source documents uh, to you know pictures, than a a monument and a statue. Yeah. So um, maybe that's part of it because you know as a history teacher, we know it's flawed history. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, if oh that drives me crazy. I hear, dude. I secretly want to pull down. But I'm making this isn't a secret anymore. I want to be part of tearing down a Confederate statue. I won't lie. <laughs> no, I. I would yeah. love to have the rope and be talking yeah. on Nathan Bedford Forrest Falls. Oh yeah, um, there is so. one statue of him in. I, I think it's it's in Nashville or Memphis, and it is the ugliest statue I've ever seen. So I, ugly, and somebody threw pink paint on it. And it's on somebody's private property, and it was almost like they had a color. They had a draw your hero contest for for five year olds, and that one, and they made the statue out of it. Yeah, it is the ugliest thing. Uh, I believe you could see it from a highway. You can, yeah, because I was actually I knew we were going to drive by it. We were going to go to Franklin in April, and we were going to drive by that statue. And they are talking about now trying to figure out to put like some natural. Uh, foliage in the way to block its view from the highway. So. It is so ugly. When I was doing some research for this podcast, Nathan Bedford Forrest has more statues than any other person in Tennessee. It's so, I don't know, like I I don't understand. Um, Alright, so what we're going to pivot to is a couple articles uh, from historians. So me and Mary have kind of shared a little bit of what we think about this. I'm sure we'll dive in more. Um, but there's been some great editorials written uh, about this issue from some pretty big names. Um, and the first one I want to talk about is Harold Holzer, um, who is a Lincoln expert. And he basically did an article in the New York Daily News. And what's interesting about Harold here is previously, obviously this came up in 2017. 
you know, Louisiana. I know New Orleans took some down around this time mm-hmm. um, and some other areas. So this was kind of a big news topic. And he actually went on a CNN show and kind of stated and arguing for keeping them. And he was in another uh, kind of panel discussion um, that actually took place with some African-American historians as well. And he spends the first part of the article talking about how he defended keeping the statues. And kind of his defense was, you know, the artistic merit of these statues. Um, They need to remain in place. Um, It gives context to modern viewers. Um, But he has changed his opinion since. So in the past three years, seeing how things have happened, um, you know, kind of the George Floyd incident has really made a lot of individuals rethink, um, you know, the legacy of racism in America. And we are seeing things have changed. And even Harold Holzer himself basically has said that he has changed his opinion. Um, And he is quoted as basically saying, I have come to realize I was not only wrong, I was insensitive. I want to explain my evolution so that perhaps others might learn as I have. You know, that's a brave statement. That's a bold statement. Um, I appreciate that statement. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a lot to be commended in somebody who's willing to admit that they're wrong, Um, especially somebody who was putting out a message that he's now changing out there in a national platform. So I really applaud him for doing that. And we, we talked about this with Lincoln, too, you know. Uh, people have the right to evolve, and we should expect that and yep. admire it when it's done. The evolution is towards, you know, the right, towards positive, you know, the right morals and stuff like that. Yeah, it is. And I mean, and, you know, more respect to him for coming out and saying saying that he's he's a huge person in the Lincoln community. He's very influential. And yeah, I agree with you 100% what you're saying. Like, this is, and this is very Lincoln-like what he's doing. Like, it is okay to change your opinion. It is okay to ma- admit that you were you were wrong. Um, I know a lot of people don't like to do that. But, you know, doing that, I think, like, it's pretty amazing he did that, you know. Yeah, and I think kind of his evolution and stuff, I, I think in a way he's kind of had a, I don't want to, I don't want to speculate what drove him to do this, but to me, it seems like he's thought a little bit, you know, uh, Harold's a white male Mm -hmm. and he's probably realized his his status of privilege and he's thought more about that. That has kind of led to this evolution um, of stuff, which George Floyd and the protests have really forced a lot of people to think about um, and put that in perspective. And I also think this is kind of an area in, in Lincoln history, too. I'm going off a little bit changing here. But, like, I know we talked about this, too, with Dr. McDermott when we were down in Springfield. Mm -hmm. Lincoln has more books written about him than anybody. Yep. Outside of Jesus. But to me, he does not have the most perspectives coming at it, meaning that it's been a white male perspective predominantly who has covered Lincoln, who gains all the attention. You know, if you're bringing a Lincoln expert on, it's going to be – a white male who's yep. going to be talking about or Doris Gerd, or Kearns Goodwin. Exactly. Right. She's the one female that's kind of broken through that mold. Yeah. Um, and we've heard some stories, too, of how some female historians have been treated, um, which is, would, would be shocking. But for somebody to have so many books written on them yep. and have such a lack of so many different perspectives is 
it's just kind of mind-boggling and, and a little bit sad. And I, and I hope that changes here moving forward. Yeah, I, I hope it does too. And I mean, I know in the Civil War community, it, it's definitely still very much like a a male-dominated community, but there there are females out there. Um, you know, myself going off on a little bit of a tangent here, like myself, yeah, I've I've been treated not so nice. It's happened to me. And it's not, you know, it's not cool. It's like, well, why can't you just see, see me as a person who studies it? Why do you have to, you know, see, it's like, oh, it's a female. What does she kind of know about it sort of thing, right? And, um, like, I wish there was more representation in the field, not just females, but, you know, that African-Americans and indigenous peoples and, and that. Like, I'd like no, to see I, them rise to the forefront. I agree 100%. And I, and I think, you know, you think back to Ken Burns' Civil War, too. I mean, that is a dated piece now. Yeah. Like, it does not do a good enough job talking about the role of, you know, black soldiers fighting in the Union. It does not talk enough about, you know, the the role blacks play. I mean, yes, Lincoln signed emancipation, but, you know, it really was on the blacks in the South and the blacks in the North who, who won that emancipation um, and reconstruction, you know, so and that's a good thing about history though. History is ever evolving too. And that's something I try to get across to my students. And that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Um, you have Harold Holzer, a guy, um, you know, who, who's up there in the years. Um, that was a little <laughs> sensitive. Harold Holzer, who's um, been in the field for a while. Um, full of wisdom, who's realized that he needed to change his opinion on stuff. And so he goes on to say in the article, what I have come to discover is that any artistic merit, Confederate statues, I'll say, boosts can no longer mitigate the dangerous, distorted historical narrative they convey or the human pain they cause. Mm -hmm. For too long, looming work celebrating so-called Confederate heritage, in quotes, have forced people of color to walk in their symbolic shadow in parks, outside courthouses where justice was supposed to be administered fairly, and on the streets where they silently but powerfully validate white supremacy, perpetuate, per, uh, perpetuate, dude, do you say that? <laughs> Perpetuate the falsehoods under which the defeated side explained their pro-slavery rebellion. And I, I think that's an important thing to think about. You go into a courthouse, how many state capitals? There are national, you go to D.C., where Congress meets, you have these places, these rooms named after, you know, these segregationist senators. You have these statues, these Confederate statues throughout there. And then you're going to a place where democracy, justice is supposed to be what drives everything. Mm -hmm. And you see that. I can't imagine what that would feel, um, you know, especially for a black American and, and who understands what the Confederacy stood for and everything. Yeah. And, Mind-boggling, absolute mind-boggling. Or to think that you're a black soldier and you've been assigned to go to Fort Bragg, you know, to do your basic training. Yep. And what are you doing? You're ultimately right. What do you do when you're in uniform? You fight to protect democracy. But then you're at a base that's named after somebody who was fighting against the union, um, who was treasonous. So mind-boggling, disappointing. This is a great read, though. I highly recommend going to it. Um, it's kind of good to see Harold um, come around and change his opinion, which I think a lot of people are doing. Mm -hmm. 
it's great to see somebody with that much status behind his name to admit wrong um, and to take the stance and to be public with it and yeah. not to be afraid of the backlash that might come with it. I, I completely agree with you about that. And too, like it, it goes back to like another point about Lincoln um, as well, where, you know, Lincoln would often put himself in another person's shoes. So he's not just thinking of himself. And I think that, you know, one of the things that one of my friends was asking me about the statues on the weekend and I was explaining it to him. And I said, I'm like, you can't, I said, you have to remember why these statues were put there. And I said, like, we don't fear them because we're white. But for an African-American, like, they were meant to invoke fear. And that's what you have to remember. It's, um, you know, it's kind of like, I mean, Gettysburg reference here, you know, it's kind of like when Meade didn't pursue Lee, Lincoln wrote him that scathing letter that he never sent. And then Lincoln stepped back and was like, nope, I'm wrong. This is probably what Meade's feeling. Never sends the letter. So I think, you know, Holzer's obviously gained different perspective on it, which is great. And, like, hopefully something like this will make others think of it, too. And I think that's it. Like, there's not enough, like, it's just like a knee-jerk response and we're not looking at, okay, what's the history behind these things? And I think that's what we need to do is teach more of that history behind them to have people understand well and then you think about a statue i mean a statue is literally literally putting somebody on a pedestal exactly you know like you you go and you see a statue you don't know the person you think this person yeah. did something great so you see stonewall jackson statue which is massive by the way it was a massive statue that they just took out yeah. in richmond or the robert e lee one which is massive as well and, and you look at that and what are they most known for? Fighting for the Confederacy, which yep. was to, first of all, protect slavery. And to have the right to break away from the Union, which is the ultimate treasonous act that we've ever had. And these statues, and we have three states where they have over 300 individuals yeah. like this. Over 700 of these statues throughout America. Yep. And are you kidding me? And it, it goes back to the myth of the lost cause as well, where you have somebody like like Lee and Jackson. I mean, and, and Jackson is the poster boy for the lost cause myth, too. Like, you know, he dies after Chancellorsville. He gets elevated and all that. And, you know, you never hear like, yeah, he owned like he believed in slavery. Like he was fighting to own people. But then you have somebody like James Longstreet who does not fit that lost cause. Yep. He's got a statue at Gettysburg that is not on a pedestal. And that's yeah. the uh, that's the other thing that, you know, people need to know too. It's like, okay, there's some of these men that there's a reason they've been elevated, but then you have the ones that it's like, okay, why isn't there the statues? And then people will say it's protecting my heritage as I mm. use quotes. Yeah. All right, fine. If that's your heritage, then what you're saying is that you are a racist. I'm sorry. Yeah. There is enough literature out there now. There is enough stuff that's been there, you know, and maybe at one point you could have claimed ignorance to the fact that you didn't know what the Confederacy is fighting for. But in 2020, if you're in a position of power, specifically the president I'm talking about now, and you spent more time in the past month talking about our heritage and pushing for an executive order to protect our Confederate monuments, um, but he'll say it was all monuments, but we know exactly what he's talking about. Exactly. 
And you spent more time talking about that than the death of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and the other injustice going on in America. You are a racist. That is a flat-out lie. And if there are listeners upset, I, I, I don't care. I'm not even going to apologize to you. No. Because at this point uh, of the stage, you, we know what it is. We know what the South fought for. Every major historian with any sort of credit behind them has admitted, has turned, you know, has made the adjustment. That's just a flat-out lie. So if you're spending more time on your Facebook complaining and defending the statue than you did talking about George Floyd and injustice he met, in my eyes, you are a racist. That, no, I, I completely 100% agree with you about that. It, like, it, I don't know. And it's almost like sometimes, like, people don't want to deal with it, but it's like, you have to deal with it. You have to know why these statues were placed there. Um, you know, and even... Like I went to Johnson, I've been to Johnson's Island a few times. It is a Confederate, it was a Confederate prison of war on Lake Erie. Um, there was, there was for officers, but the, the wording that they have on the plaque there, not one thing about why the war was fought. And it was put there by the United Daughters, the Daughters of the Confederacy. And it says they died protect, like for states' rights and for, and it was like, for me to read that wording and see that that statue or that like just the plaque had been placed there after the year 2000 was scary. Like even I felt I'm like, this is worrisome, you know, and I get it. It's, it's a cemetery. It is, you know, like those, the men that are buried there, right? Like it's a cemetery. I just don't like that politics made it in. And then if you read some of the speeches that were um, given at the unveiling um, of these monuments, mm-hmm. the language is clear what they stand for. Yeah. Um, as far as the Mississippi flag, which has, if you haven't seen the Mississippi flag, part of it's basically the rebel flag. Um, and there's actually was a lynching in Mississippi. I think it was in the 60s. And th- this has been making its rounds on some of the news and stuff. But basically, they made him uh, an African-American kiss it before lynching. So, I mean, right there, they know what it means. They know what it stands for. Um, These are the people that put it in place. They know what they're doing. You know, the Daughters of the Confederacy, um, they have a long history of this, a documented history of doing this, trying to rewrite it. They're one of the biggest people driving the lost cost narrative, one of the biggest organizations Mm -hmm. that have driven the lost cost narrative in America for a long time. Um, and it's definitely a political agenda Mm -hmm. and they're trying to do that. So uh, the good out of all this obviously is, you know, when you're, when you're in a relationship and you know, you've been in a relationship long enough too, um, that you go through some tough times and when you ignore that, it doesn't make anything better. It's when you talk about it and address those issues Mm -hmm. and it's not easy. It could lead to fights, you know, and tension and, and some, you know, nights where people are going to bed and, you know, not feeling the greatest. But it's the only way you move forward. Exactly. And it builds for a stronger relationship. So finally, I, I have hope. I don't know what's going to happen. I have hope that we are now starting to deal with this in America. And then I hope, I hope over the next few decades we can start to talk about it. Because this ain't going to be a quick fix either. No. That we can address this and we can start to heal and become better for it. I really hope that too and i hope we can overcome the issues that we are facing here in canada as well and yeah you're right it is it's exactly like a relationship and if you don't deal with the issues they're going to keep coming back 
and they're going to come back even worse than they were before until you deal with it. It's all cyclical. Mm-hmm. And I think this issue is something that um, that definitely needs to be dealt with. And the thing for me, you know, is I'm like, I'm immersed in Gettysburg right now. I'm immersed in 1863. And then, you know, the thing that, that gets me is I'm tweeting about this battle where these men died for a reason. They died to for what Lincoln said in the Gettysburg Address. And we can't forget about them. And the fact that this, this shit is still happening, don't let those men die in vain. So I am all for pulling down the, especially the ones that are in public. You yes. know, if you're talking about some of the Confederate monuments at the battlefields, I think if they're there honoring the casual soldier mm-hmm. who died in, you know, um, a division, a regiment, um, I'm not as, I, I can understand that. Yeah. And I can see that. Um, the ones where it's in Arizona and you got a Confederate, um, you know, statue of a soldier. I mean, there's no place for those. We're past that. We're yeah. done with that. Um, let's take them down. Yeah. You need help. You need somebody else at the other end of the rope. I'll do it. I would do Donald Trump. Hopefully he's not listening to this. I might get 10 years in jail. Um <laughs> I, I, I think, too, what, what needs to be done is then after you take them down, you've got to tell the story. You've got to tell why. You could yeah. make an amazing museum exhibit of the statues telling the truth, telling this is what happened. This is why. This is why they were put up. This is what this man actually did. And this is what the myth said about him. Oh, I would keep the graffiti on it too. Oh like yeah, the Robert E. Lee statue right now. Yeah, and what they looked like that, and they've been projecting stuff on it. Um, there was a museum in D.C. I think it closed, unfortunately. It was called the Museum. Yep. Um, and if have you been there? Um, at all? I have not, but I've heard of it. It was great uh, museum, and it focused kind of like the main focus of it was kind of like the history of media and stuff like that. But one of the things that they did have was part of the Berlin Wall. And with the graffiti of all of it, yeah. obviously the Berlin Wall is a symbol of something negative, you know, the split in Berlin. But now being in a museum, having part of it, now that tells a better story um, than just if it would just was staying on the street somewhere yeah. and people didn't understand that. So, yes. Um, and I don't think we need to put all of them up, so that's for sure. But <laughs> Yeah. But, um, all right. So, we're pretty clear on that. So, obviously... A lot of this stuff deals with the Confederate monuments. I think me and Mary have pretty much stated where we stand on that. Uh, but there are some gray area where stuff has started to emerge now. And I think some people have demanded some other statues go down, um, which I think leads to some other important discussions. Andrew Jackson, you know, mm-hmm. Andrew da- Jackson, definitely a huge influential president, but also many negatives of his legacy. Um, you know, the Indian Removal Act being top on the list. You know, should his statue come down? You had the Jefferson, you know, Jefferson um, has said, you know, some things that have been controversial uh, over time and some of his actions were as well. I mean, he was a slave owner. Yeah. And I want to talk specifically, though, about the Lincoln, the Freedman Memorial um, that I know exists in a couple different cities. And Mm -hmm. we've talked about this on the show. This is the one where you have Lincoln. It represents the Emancipation Proclamation. And then you have kind of an African-American kneeling down to him. Um, So Lincoln's looking straight up. Obviously, it kind of displays kind of the superiority of Lincoln as a white man um, compared to this former slave. And this has gotten a lot of attention. 
some people want to take this monument down. David Blight, who is a leading is Civil War's area expertise, do you know? David Blight, I think. He I wrote the Frederick Douglass biography I, that was highly acclaimed. I think it might be. Let me see. I'm just gonna do some quick real splitter research here. <laughs> So David Blight is professor of history of African-American studies and American studies and director of the Gilder Lerman Center for the Study of Slavery, Resistance, and Abolition. Okay. And then he wrote the critically acclaimed uh, Frederick Douglass bi- biography. Yes. That came out yes. Within the past couple of years. Yeah, he did. So he wrote a great uh, op-ed in the Washington Post. Um, you can find that easy if you Google it. Um but he makes the argument basically of keeping it. So this is hardly the monument our culture would create today as a memorial of emancipation. But none of us can ultimately have our history or memory pure. Memory is always about the politics of the present, but the righteous present is not always right. Mm-hmm. Please consider the people who created it, what it meant for their lives in a century, not our own. We ought not to try to purif- uh, purify their past and present for our needs. So you hear this a lot with the monuments. Mm-hmm. How do you decide which ones comes down? And a lot of people say, well, why did it go up? Which is a good question. Yep. A great question to talk about. Um, something that we just addressed. And he says, and then he goes on an article to give some history of who organized putting this up. So when this was uh, basically revealed, it was a huge parade was done. It involved basically every black organization in the city. Um, and the dedication of it was on April 14th, 1876. At the, uh, so the Master of Ceremonies was the Howard University Law School Dean, uh, jo- uh, John Mercer Langston. Mm-hmm. The Order of the Day, Frederick Douglass, gives a very powerful speech. The $200,000, the $20,000 that was used to build it was raised among primarily black Americans, most of them former slaves. You had a young black poet who recited an original poem, Lincoln. So basically the why of this um, was, or the who did it, is the black community. I mean, mm-hmm. um, they were behind us. And he goes on and talks about this beautiful speech that Douglas gives. Um, and a, a honest speech. He talks about kind of the evolution of Lincoln's stance. Um, there's quotes such as truth compels me to admit even here in the presence of the monument we have erected to his memory Abraham Lincoln was not in the full sense of the word either our man or our model in his interest in his association his habits of thought and in his prejudice he was a white man he was pre, uh, preeminently the white man's president and ent- entirely devoted to the welfare of white men so I mean that is he's you know, he's criticizing him. He's mm-hmm. taking a look at Lincoln. He's doing it in an honest way. Uh, but then he goes on, though he loved Caesar less than Rome, though the union was more to him than our freedom or our future, under his wise and bene- uh Why can't I read today? <laughs> Rule, we saw ourselves gradually lifted from the deaths of slavery to the heights of liberty and manhood. Can any colored man or any white man friendly to the freedom of all men ever forget the night which followed the first day of January 1863 when the world was to see if Abraham Lincoln would prove to be as good as his word? I shall never forget that memorable night when in a distant city I waited and watched at a public meeting with 3,000 others, not less anxious than myself for the word of deliverance, which we have heard read today, nor shall I ever forget the outburst of joy and thanksgiving 
that rent the air when the lightning brought to us the Emancipation Proclamation. So he's understanding that, yes, Lincoln has a flawed past. Lincoln was a flawed man, Mm -hmm. but he also did this huge significant thing. Um, And he said it, he kept his word, and he did it. And he followed through and he changed the course of the Civil War and what it was being fought for and laid the foundation for the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. Um, So just a beautiful speech. So Blight's making the argument. So if you look at the why behind this, you look at what took place here, this is worth remembering is what he's saying. He does go on to say basically kind of what I titled in our notes, a solution maybe to the problem that people were upset with the imagery of the statue. Mm -hmm. And he basically says, rather than take down the monument, let's create a commission uh, where he basically, he calls a new artist to represent the story of the black freedmen. And we add to that. Mm -hmm. So, and then we talk about Douglas, maybe it's just, you know, a statue of Douglas himself. And we add to the thing and we kind of almost make it like, I, I, what could be cool is like a plaza type thing, almost, yes. which could be a cool thing. I don't know. Thoughts? Yeah, I, I think so. I think you know, adding to it, and to if that if talking about it is going to spark that conversation that needs to happen for people to learn about it, to understand, and all that. I mean, you know, his his point about we have to think of why. It was put there in the history behind it, too. That's a good point that he makes there, too. Um, I don't know if I would want to see that one taken down, but I... I I feel like David Blight, the way I kind of read the article, and I could be wrong. Like, let's say none of that gets added. I think, yeah. obviously, he would like to see that added. Yeah. I think he would still advocate for keeping it. Yeah. I think I would side with the people who want to take it down. Mm. And the reason I say this is I did an interview a couple years ago with some students. We interviewed a Native American veteran. And we were talking about Blackhawks and the mm-hmm. Blackhawks logo. Yeah. The Chicago Blackhawks have done a lot. You know, they've helped out the American Indian Center. Mm-hmm. They've donated money uh, to them. And, and, you know, they're trying to put actions. And, you know, the, the tribe and everything is not, you know, there's not this huge hostility around it that we've seen with, like, chief Illini for the university of illinois um but the guy said we cut off our ties with the chicago blackhawks because i could not continue to take money and support that logo if i know that there's a chance that one kid will think less of himself Mm -hmm. because of that logo so to me if that statue's out there and it makes one child think less of themselves because of the imagery of that statue that bugs me so that statue by itself that's why i would support somebody who would want to take him down yeah that's actually a really good perspective on it now it if we could surround it with some other imagery Mm -hmm. that becomes the dominant imagery of the free black man yeah that would be great i am all for that i think that would be powerful yeah yeah i think if you can change it that works too and i know like yeah you talked about the artistic point of it. That was one thing my friend brought up on the weekend was like, well, some of them are just so artistic. It's like, well, that's not the point. (laughs) You have to look at the why you have to look at the history of it, you know? So 
And I'll admit this one. This one's a tough call. This monument, mm-hmm. and I can see the debate on both sides. I, yep. I see what uh, you know, Doctor Polite's arguing there, yep. um, and that, that's just kind of it. Made me really think, mm-hmm. and that led me to this great Twitter thread I saw. I, do you know how to say his last name, Brett Devereaux? Devereaux. Devereaux. He's, act- he's actually an ancient historian. Mm. Um, specializes in the Roman economy um, and military, so he's out of. Uh, UNC history, so North Carolina. And I came across this thread, and it's a beautiful thread, and I would recommend the people to seek it out and definitely read to Mary if you haven't. But he kind of talks about, he felt that it was his, like he had to chime in, you know, being a historian and all this is going around. Yeah. And he talks about, he basically says, folks, statues are not about remembrance, they're about commemoration, mm-hmm. not teaching, but moralizing. Yep. His stance is with statues, you're transmitting values. You're not transmitting what happened. You're putting these people on a pedestal. You're talking about the morals and stuff behind that um, and, and what that represents. And I think that really chimes into that why question. And that's why it's so important to look at why was this statue built. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have the true meaning of why it was built to why it's there. And then I think we can make our decision on why it needs to come down. And the bottom line, like we stated earlier, it just goes to point. If you look at a lot of these Confederate statues, they're there to promote this lost cause or to promote white supremacy. Yeah. Um, to just be flat out blunt. No, I, I completely agree with you. It's They're there to commemorate, not teach. Because if you look at these statues, you know, it's and even even the Union ones, like, you know, the ones in Washington, Sherman mead and all that like there's no it's commemorating what they did it's not really teaching and i mean get like i think the battlefields are a little bit different because they talk about where you know the troops were what they did on that day it's different whereas you know something that's in like a town square where it's like i mean you have a statue like a huge statue on a pedestal of nathan bedford Forrest, a man that bought and sold people for a living that's the truth of him nowhere at that statue is that written and that's what's wrong it's commemorating but nobody asks why and then he goes on he kind of dies into the controversy like what do you do with somebody with thomas jefferson right Mm -hmm. we have this huge memorial and he advocates that memorial is okay and he says jefferson is safe not because he was perfect he was not but because he doesn't represent his imperfects but rather his finest words, mm-hmm. meaning that memorial in D.C. is about, you know, the Declaration of Independence and what the, the, the you know, the most famous words that our country's founded about. Yeah. Um, he revolves around that. So he's saying that's the values that monuments portraying. So maybe he would agree with Blight um, behind the Freedman Memorial um, to why it was done to recognize the Emancipation Proclamation. Um, maybe it wouldn't, though, because of the imagery. But um so, like, for Lincoln, for example, flawed human, right? Yep. But it's okay that we can have a statue of him in some places, depending on what the statue is, because it could represent the good that he did. Yeah. The stuff. Um, so, like, a George Washington, stuff like that. Um, and then he goes on to explain, the thing is, you don't pay historians to get misty-eyed over statues. You pay us to uncover, remember, and explain uncomfortable truths. Um, amen to that, brother. Yeah. Um, and he says, statues are not teaching tools. They're not. 
No history is lost when a statue comes down because the power of history is not a statue that's there. It's the actions that have taken place. It's the primary sources that documented at the time they were occurring. That is the foundation of history. Um, and that will always be the foundation of history. And history is not going away. And if you think statues are histories, then you're not a history fan at the end of the day. Yeah, it, um, exactly. And then it, it's just a great... And then he goes to ask, you know... Should this statue stay up or should it go away? The question is not about heritage or if the person in the statue lived a perfect saintly life. The question is what values does this statue rep- express? And I think going back to what you and me were arguing about earlier, what those Confederate monuments, mm-hmm. what are the values they're trying to express? Yeah. And if you go back, you look at the literature, you look at the organizations who raise money for them, you look at the dedication speeches – the majority of the time, just about every time, I can't think of one where it didn't, it points back to it was the issue of what the Confederacy stood for. They might try to sugarcoat it, yeah. dog whistle terms, um, but at the end of the day, that is slavery and to leave the Union. Yep. And it's yeah. time. Move on. You got a rope. You got it around Native Bedford Forest. Yep. Pull We're it down. there to pull it down. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I've got somebody in my family that is, uh, raised in the fifties, educated on the lost cause in, in Canadian school and is still very much Lee was fighting a noble cause. And I'm like, no, 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 <laughs> it's no. And, uh, it's, uh, it's, it, in a way it's interesting to listen to them, but in a way it's scary. Because, like, I sit there and say, like, well, actually, he was a slave owner, and he, like, he's a traitor. And then uh, this person said, well, he was fighting for what he believed, and I fired back one time. I'm like, yeah, so was Hitler. And they went silent. Like, if you throw the Nazi reference at them, then that's when they're like, oh, this is bad. I'm like... Everybody's fighting for something they believe in. Like, that doesn't make it... That's to me. And then... Just because you believe in something doesn't mean it's the right reason to fight. Exactly. It does not like, it's like, just because you had the right to do it doesn't make it right. I had to sit there and say, like, I said Sunday night, I'm like, he owned people. He was fighting to own people. It's not, and there's this whole thing, like, it's changing history. It's erasing history to take down those monuments. It's like, there's no context. There's none. Yeah. Like, if you go to a General Lee statue in Richmond, you're not going to learn a thing about him. That, that's, what I, that's what floors me about it, is this fear of losing history. And I think some of it goes back to those that grew up in the era, the we were wrong, and we don't want to admit we were wrong. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know. Like, for somebody to change their mind, like um, Harold Hoser did, it's hard to do in America, I feel, because yeah. you've seen it like a, a coward or you never believed in it. But, you know, life's complex. Mm-hmm. You learn more about stuff. You realize that you've made mistakes or you should have done yep. it a different way. And to me, it's actually a form of bravery to have the courage to do it on a platform he did mm-hmm. and to be as well known as he is to come around and admit that he was wrong. Yeah. And to state that, but we see that a lot of times in American culture as such a sign of weakness. And, and I think that's really the world that Trump revolves around. Yeah. And, and this whole mass fiasco that we're having in our country 
and why he won't wear it because he feels like he'll be seen as weak. And then the funny part is the weakness is the fact that you aren't changing. Yeah. Ex- yeah. yeah. It's, and I mean, I, I think myself at this point where a year ago we were recording our battle of Gettysburg podcasts. And I remember hating all over Dan Sickles for what he did on July the 2nd and flash forward to tonight where, I mean, I'm still pro Mead, but I went and did some research. I read a little bit more about it. Sickles might have done the right thing that day. It's okay. It's okay to change your opinion. Did Sickles do the right thing on purpose or by accident? Uh, yeah, I know that's the thing. <laughs> it might have been some kind of glorious accident, but I mean, I, I don't think he, I guess it's like, you know, I went from hating on him to being like, you know what? There might have been some merit behind that, you know, to what he did to to moving it. But it, it's, it, what I, I guess the point I'm trying to make is like, always read, always well, continue to learn more. In context, you brought up. That's what a good historian does. They try to put themselves in the context of the time. Yeah. Um, like, in, in a way, kind of putting yourself in the shoes of that individual. Why did they make that decision? Yeah. And then a lot of times you understand it better. Um, and it just leads to better understanding. I mean, we've talked about this when we looked at, you know, Fredericksburg. Yep. Or we've looked at Hooker and stuff. You know, putting yourself in the context, understanding why the things went they did, you know. You understand it better. Not saying that it was the right or wrong decision, but it gives you better understanding. Exactly. Yep. So um, let us know if you got any thoughts on the statues and monuments that are coming down. Um, I think it's something that will be in the news for quite a while. It's been in the news for there. Um, They're continuing to come down. So interesting time in America. Civil War is definitely um, popping up quite a bit. It's alive and well. Yep. Um. All right, let's go to our uh, segments. For the people, by the people. Yep. Have we read the fantastic podcast review? I don't know if we've read the latest fantastic podcast review. Why don't you read it? All right, so if we did this, I apologize. Five-star review from A.B. Biddles, 16. Does this sound familiar to you? I'm not. Yes and no. Okay. Well, let's just read it again. Okay. Uh, June 17th, this came in. I've been catching up on all the episodes, and I absolutely love the show. Having just listened to your episode on the Grant miniseries, I am exactly that person Mary described. I watched it on the History Channel and fell in love with it. Now I've ordered way too many books on Grant, Sherman, Lincoln, and other aspects of time period, and I found your podcast, so it's been an exciting time. You guys have such a great back and forth. They make me laugh way too much. You've got yourself a new loyal listener. Well, thank you so much. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Uh, of course, Mary likes it because you complimented her personally. <laughs> Shut um, I'm a little hurt that my name was not personally mentioned in it, but I will take the five-star review. Uh, no, I mean, we talked about this with the Grant miniseries. Um, it's doing what exactly I think it was designed to do. Yep. So that is great to hear. We appreciate you sharing. Um, we are up to 76 uh, reviews. Be nice. great to get to 100 by the end of 2020. Yep. So take a time out of your day. Give us a review. Give us five stars, even if you think you're one star. Um, and then you can spend all time bad-mouthing us, and we will read it on air. Um, or the recording, I guess. We never do any of these live. But 
So be it. You got one? I do. So this is, uh, it's kind of a ridiculously funny one, but um, I'll have to post it in the Real Twitter Facebook or Real Twitter Facebook and Twitter. But one of my friends made me this for Canada Day. It's like. Who's in the middle there? Is that. Uh... That's, that's um, Tom Berenger. <laughs> so it's some of the cast from the movie Gettysburg. And the caption, it says, The Battle of Storiesburg. And there's a Canadian flag. General Hood, please take that hill unless it's too dangerous. If you want to go on or a boot to the right, that's okay. Harrison, sorry for making you wait. I'll get you a musket and a cigar, eh? So um, shout out to my uh, good friend Darren for doing that for me for Canada Day. That gave me quite a laugh, um, especially since anniversary first day at Gettysburg was yesterday. So yeah, that was uh, Battle of Sorrysburg is my of the people by the people. All right. Do you have a This Week in Lincoln? Uh, no. Do you? You know what? This Week in Lincoln, we will give the honor to Jeremy. If you go to the Rail Splitter Instagram page, he went to two yep. um, Lincoln sites and did a little uh, live stream from there. And more importantly, here's what I really want our listeners to do. I want you to go on the Rail Splitter. I want you to look at those live streams, and I want you to give me a yay or a nay on his hat. So that is the first thing that drew my attention was Rail Splitter Jeremy's new hat. Yay or nay, should I buy one myself? Rail Splitter Jeremy, let me weigh on and weigh in on this right now. He bought it. Can I hat? can I rock the hat? You you probably can. I don't know why the hat drew my attention first. Probably because I'd like to give him shit on uh You give everybody shit, Nick. So I think that's what drew me, but give us a yay or nay on his hat. They'll probably be mad when he um, The jury's out for me on the hat. I, I, Mary's a nay because she's too nice to come out and say it flat out. I wasn't. I don't know what I was expecting, but it wasn't that. You know, the best part is because I don't know if they'll listen to the show. Everybody will start posting yay or nay on it, <laughs> and he won't have any idea what's going on. So please post yay or nay <laughs> on these li- in the comment section of these Instagram uh, posts. So what's our Instagram? Um, we are the Real Sweater Podcast on Instagram. So, yeah, uh, I will give them credit for taking some time out and going um, and looking at those things and doing a little stuff for that. So we appreciate it. So he was part of the crew this week. You yeah. know, he was unable to be on the show. And I don't think you can. Um, I don't know if you could rock that hat. I think you're better in what you're wearing. So stick to that. I don't know. I might have to. Might have to get me and him. will have matching hats next time <laughs> in Springfield. All three of us should have them when we're in Springfield. Oh, that would be great. <laughs> that would be amazing. T-shirts and matching hats. We won't tell him though. We'll just bring. Him. We'll just show up. <laughs> he won't be wearing his probably, but we'll have ours. Yeah. We'll, see if he says anything. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Too bad we probably won't be able to do that for like 2022. Yeah. The way COVID's going in uh, America. God. <laughs> Any final thoughts, Mary? Well, I hope. Um, Everyone is staying safe. Hopefully we uh, get back to quote-unquote normal soon. And uh, I very much enjoyed this discussion with you, Nick. Uh, Thank you for putting together these wonderful show notes. It's a really good talk. Next week we'll be coming with you about Vicksburg. And then the week after we'll be finishing the book club. So get that last chapter and epilogue done. Yep. And I'm saying it right now on this show. So that is what the schedule will be. Yep. That's why I'm doing it, to keep us accountable. 
Yes. Uh, more so me. <laughs> so thanks, everybody. Enjoy your 4th of July. Practice social distancing. If you're in a crowd, for please, please wear a damn face mask. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be back with you next week. And remember, uh, with malice towards none and charity for all. <laughs>